Peace. You're tuned into the Edible Activist Podcast. I am your host and favorite edible activist, Melissa L. Jones. On this show, we feed you empowering narratives and perspectives from the voices of emerging Black people and people of color in food and agriculture who are stewarding the land, healing communities, and advocating for food justice and economic power across the globe. Our rich contributions and stories exemplify the spirit of activism in their own edible way. Let's get started. Peace and welcome to The Edible Activist. I am your host, Melissa L. Jones, coming at you with another episode. I am super excited because I have a very special guest today with me, Um, but I just wanted to say also hello, y'all. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, As a reminder, you can find these episodes on iTunes, Spotify, um, and also YouTube, so make sure to tap in. Also, be sure to follow me at Food Talks in Color on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So that is Food Talks with just the letter N in color on um, Instagram. Facebook and Twitter. All right, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So again, I have a very special guest in studio with me today, um, and her name is Brittany Bell Surratt. Um, and so I actually learned of Brittany through a very amazing article that someone put me on to in Sweet July. And if you all, if some of you aren't familiar with Sweet um, Sweet July, it's actually a, an online publication um, that is founded by Aisha Curry. Okay, so shout out to the Currys. All right, but I. I was just really amazed when I read um, Brittany's story and that Brittany is um, from Mississippi and she is part, uh, well, let me go back. Brittany is a senior director of storytelling and communications, but she's also now a farmer. And so her um, family actually has um, about 50 acres of land, but there's a whole story behind this because at one point, you know, the, the family land um, had experienced some challenges. Back in 2021, I believe there was a freeze, some, some weather, some huge weather challenges, and the farmers in jeopardy. And so um, Brittany, you know, who is part of the family legacy and making sure that we're sustain- that she was sustaining the family legacy, came to, came to the rest and now has transitioned over while still, you know, um, working in communications to become a farmer. And so I am just excited to have her here so that she so that you all can hear her story from from her. (laughs) And just excited to have a dialogue with you, Brittany. So welcome to Edible Activist. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Brittany, when I read your story, I was just in awe. And just in admiration, to be truthfully honest, because for me, I'm looking at, you know, a professional mom, wife has so many things on her plate, but also the story of wanting to save her family's legacy and continue her family's legacy. And so I'm, I'm going to assume, but I don't want to make any assumptions that mm-hmm. this is something that you probably didn't see coming. No. But you tell me. <laughs> no, didn't see it coming. So um, as a kid, we were always into things that had to do with farming, cattle, horses. I used to show horses as a kid. Um, and so I did that for a couple of years. And then um, 
kind of just lost lost that once my father was incarcerated for a bit and then just going into being a teenager and just being into really just trying to get into college, hanging with friends and boys. So um, I always thought that one of my brothers, either my younger brother or my youngest brother or my oldest brother, would kind of take the, the the farm interest the most seriously, um, and I'd just be able to go and play with my little family or friends when they come in. Um, and that just didn't work out quite that way for a number of reasons. Um, and not that it, we won't still be able to do something family-oriented at some point, but I think for the time and the opportunity um, it was just ripest for me at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So take us back to, was it 2000 and, I'm sorry, 2021. Mm-hmm. I might have said 2001 or 2000, forgive me, y'all, not correct. But 2021, where the farm had, and I actually remember this, there was mm-hmm. a freeze in Mississippi, and your dad, who is, you know, managing, um, the the farm and was managing the farm at that time. Um, no water. Nope. Um, the only form of communication was via was re, re, um, reliant on snail mail. Right. Right. And so the farm and land was was in was at jeopardy. Correct. So yeah, he was without. My dad was without water for a couple of weeks. He without was without electricity mm. for a couple of weeks and. Even without those things, he just doesn't have internet. Like, yeah. right now, with full water and electricity, he doesn't have internet. He has a little flip phone that he uses that we can be on the top of Mount Everest in his reception. <laughs> um, and that's it. And so, during that freeze, um, there was this bustling farm that had horses, chicken, turkey, Goats, hogs, um, dove, uh, um, what's the big, with the big... Um, peacock. Peacock. Um, and cattle. And so it was, you know, I, I like to, I liken it to a very old McDonald had a farmish. Mm. Just so much life on that farm. And during that freeze, you know, one, it's already deep south, Mississippi is in use, doesn't have the infrastructure for that type of devastation. Um, It was unseasonably cold. And in addition to losing utilities, how that affects the loss of life um, Mm -hmm. with everything being outside, with all those animals being outside. And so um, it was painful, one, to see majority of that. Like I, I literally had just December of 2020 did a photo shoot there with all of that um and then for february 2021 to come and to have all that devastation and then to add insult to injury and i know you've talked about this in your podcast before with different folks and it's just a tale that black people have um particularly in the south is how the usda doesn't provide like goes out of their way not to provide support um and so what got me angry was that um, the USDA told my dad about relief, like coming right upon the deadline for it. Mm. And they told him that he had to have 
a veterinarian come out. This now weeks have passed. A veterinarian to come out, and that veterinarian had to verify the cause of death for those animals. And at that point, one, they're carcasses now. They have been discarded. But then two, even if this was right in the you know nick of time, who's going to pay for the vet to come out and to do that? Right. right? And so it, it just seeing the kind of you know regular systemic things with the USDA didn't seem you know by accident, um, and it brought up a few things in that not only should the USDA be more vigilant about getting information to people, one in rural areas, mm-hmm. to this older population. My dad is in his seventies. Um, but three, you know, providing some type of financial support for if you do have to go the route of having a vet come out or something like that. And so um, because he was unable to fulfill that, it was just a loss. And that wow. didn't sit well within my spirit or my soul. So um, then it became like I, I can't just sit on something and be bothered. You know what I mean? Right. Like, what can I do? How can I help? What Like, I, I just immediately go into, okay. What are the solutions here? How can I do my part? Um, and that's just in anything. And so that's how we got to where, you know, I eventually start going through kind of the processes to um, have ownership. Wow. Wow. Let me, I want to give folks a, just a, a snippet. And I encourage you all to, and I'm going to include the link to the Sweet July article because um, I want I want the audience to be able to read that. But just to give you more lay of the land or more context, if you will. So um, Brittany's grandfather acquired land in the 1940s in Mississippi mm-hmm. in Fayette, Fayette, Mississippi. Fayette, Mississippi. I ain't never been. <laughs> Jefferson County. It's about um, it's about 20 minutes from Alcorn State. OK. All right, cool. All right, shout out Alcorn. Um, And then your dad has been helping to maintain that land all these years, but also in addition to that, had purchased some other land nearby that became available, right? And so um, your dad had been farming full-time, but was also an educator Mm -hmm. at some point, Mm -hmm. too. So um, we're talking a lot of land, about 50 acres mm-hmm. of land here, you know, combined. And I know this is, um, you know, we'll, we'll get to the, the land where you are and that you've been transitioning or had tra- have transitioned to as, as a farmer. And so I just I just think it was really important to provide some of that context because, um, listen, no, no discredit, land is land. But we're mm-hmm. talking about masses of land here and really something. And I remember that year when that freeze happened. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it affected rural areas and it affected a lot of folks because Mississippi is not used to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, they're not used to that. And just y'all the climate, but anyway, mm-hmm. that's a whole, that's a whole, that's a whole rabbit hole. We can, we can go down. So, um, but I just, again, I just wanted to provide it. I just wanted to provide folks that, tr- that, that context just so they can understand the, the amount of land that we're working with and that this was like an operation and your family's, you know, legacy and livelihood. And your dad even built a house like yes. you all, you know, on the farm. So <laughs> with his own hands, it's wild. <laughs> oh my it's gosh. wild with that generation. I, I'm trying do, to tell babe. you. <laughs> <laughs> we got to hold on to every bit of it as much as we can, man. They were just built different. I say they that are. all the time, they all are. the time. Um, so 
this is happening. You're in D.C. And, you know, um, D.C. in as Mm -hmm. as we as we'll say. Mm -hmm. And so this all happens. And so now you're in the mode of like, no, I got to help my dad. You know, I got to make sure that we save this farm. We can't lose it. I need to go into, you know, like it's it's go mode. Mm -hmm. What was that transition like from here to Mississippi and now literally having to put on a farmer's hat? Yeah. Um, So one of the the benefits of being in the pandemic was the ability to work remotely. And so um, I think a couple of things that that the pandemic brought on was just a renewal of the importance of being able to spend time with family. Yes. Um, And so I, and that in addition to, I had just some personal things going on to where um, being able to just go home to Mississippi and stay there for a few weeks, I, I just leaned into whenever I had the chance to do that. And so after the, the freeze happened um, and all of that loss of life happened. I just wanted to, it, it really started off with, let me learn a bit more about what it takes or what it took you, you as in my dad, um, to sustain, you know, that, that level of upkeep for all of those different types of animals. Um, because I didn't, you know, sometimes you, people are doing something and it's just what they do and you, they do it so effortlessly. You don't even, you know, start to think like, oh, this really requires Mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and they not writing no books, you know, because this is, this was their livelihood. This is what they did. So it wasn't like you were able to open up a pamphlet and this was the how to. None of that. Not writing anything down. (laughs) But when you no longer have it. Then um, for me, there was there was that additional interest in it. Yeah. And so we started with what the, the animals that were left, which were um, a couple of cattle. A lot of cattle cattle died, mm. um, but it was a couple of cattle and we had three horses left. And so um, I, my familiarity with the horses, I could tap back into. It's like I told you earlier, I used to show horses when I was young, I was a kid, um, but the cattle, I, I knew nothing about. I didn't know about the different types, the different types of beef, the different types of dairy, the different, you know, mm-hmm. the different types of grass they eat to do this or do that. Um, and so we started there. And as I started to learn more um, and then started to see what the, like financially, what that loss was like. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, my dad would, go to the the trades during the week and um and auctions and sales and whatnot and that was a, a stream of income for him and so to lose that um and then that was the kind of the the light bulb that went off it's like okay I am comfortable in resources in which I could take this on and talking to him about the ins and out of the business aspect. So there was, you know, these months of just learning about the technical parts of being on a farm and what it takes and what a day looks like. And, um, but then it started to bleed into, okay, what does the business looks like? Mm. The administrative piece, the financial pieces of running a farm. Um, and so being here, uh, and you know, 
I'm very country at heart for sure. Um, but I've been in DC for 20 years now. So I'm like a, I'm kind of a DC gal at this point. Like mm-hmm. just, you know, how I operate. Um, to your point, what you had said about, you know, DCing. Um, <laughs> and so it was the what could I do and how could I support? And so taking over financially and administrative wise was like, okay, this is what I can do. And just let daddy, you know, continue to do what he does as far as, you know, toiling the land um, and raising the different animals and coming to a point where we can rejuvenate that land again um, was important that he could still do that. So, um, so yeah, so then we got into, you know, land ownership, transfer, what is the proper paperwork to go through to be a registered farmer. Um, and, and one of the things I didn't want to happen because there's a technological divide, gap, yeah. loss mm-hmm. that happens with rural people, that happens with elderly people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I work on a lot of climate issues and absolutely believe that we should be reducing our paper, reducing our carbon f- footprint and reducing our waste. Um, but there, but these institutions and these organizations, they have the resources, the infrastructure, the capital to figure out how to reach these people. These people cannot get left behind. And so part of that is me filling in the gap. Like I get all the emails now. I'm checking all, you know, making sure that we don't miss anything when they have surveys, when they have, um, you know, assessments, when Mm -hmm. they have different opportunities for grants and whatnot. Um, But that some kind of way, somebody should be getting that information to my dad. Yeah. So that is very important. It is that uh, technical assistance mm-hmm. and the admin support mm-hmm. um, that is needed. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you are able to serve in the position to receive that information mm-hmm. on behalf of your dad and for your dad mm-hmm. is huge, is really huge. And so um, you made several great points. One of the things I want to go back to, well, first of all, A, so with the USDA, what, did any financials um, come out of it for no, your dad? He hasn't yet. Um, mm. Now there is a there is a there's some new grants that ha- um, or financial assistance that is available for folks now from that freeze, mm-hmm. and that just came out in the that that communication just came out within the last 30, 45 days. I'll be in Mississippi this week and we'll probably take him to the local USDA office or have him come to my mom's house um, so we can kind of go through mm-hmm. that paperwork online. But no, as of twenty as of April twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, y'all. It's been two years and he still has yet to get any kind of financial compensation or, you know, anything for 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 the loss. The good old USDA, another rabbit hole we can go down, but not today. Um, You have to register to become like, there's a thing to register that you're a farmer. Mm -hmm. I was never aware of that. 
you have to be a registered farmer, um, particularly to get anything with the USDA. And oh. so what um, one of the, the place I work with the organization's hip hop caucus and uh, prior to me coming on, they had a they have a podcast called The Coolest Show, which we have to talk to producers see if, if you can come on when we awesome. have our food. Um, I think have I have a homie issue. who's been on the show. I think, but we'll probably, talk. Probably, probably. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so on the coolest show, they had um, John Boyd from the National Black Farmers Association on, and he talked about how USDA were the gatekeepers between farms who can have like their dairy, meat, um, plant products um, in the stores mm-hmm. and not. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of things have to be USDA, mm-hmm. you know, approved, approved, stamped, all of that. And so part of doing that is being a registered farmer through the USDA. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, with the transfer of the deed, mm-hmm. I am very interested to, to dive into that a bit because it was maybe two episodes ago. So shout out to Falani Spivey at Bird's Nest Box. Her and I had a really great conversation a couple episodes ago about, um, you know, keeping and sustaining family land. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she made up, she brought up a really great point in that, you know, we when we talk about land loss, we're always talking about it from the perspective of, you know, um, land being stolen from us and mm-hmm. eminent domain, which... that has happened and a lot of our land has been stripped away from us you know um due to those those reasons named but but the the biggest thing is you know the 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 biggest and unfortunate thing is the internal family conflict that tends to go down about around family land and i have had my own personal experiences felani is going through the same thing and so um, it's, it's like I said, I think the episode was n- n- nobody wins when the family feuds over land. Mm-hmm. And then to me, that's just really just what it is. Right. And so there's some education around the transfer of, of deeds. Right. But I don't think it's a whole lot when it comes to black family mm-hmm. land ownership. And we get lost in the, well, who has the deed? Because I'm going to tell you, Brett, <laughs> I didn't see about two deeds for one piece of a piece of land in particular and not on Mississippi and big mom got a deed the cousin got a deed and we just like we don't know which one is the actual deed right and I know there are hundreds and thousands of these stories right Mm -hmm. so I am just interested in what that process was and what you learn from that because maybe that can help someone you know, um, as they're going through the process, as they are researching the process, which I know isn't easy. I know for me, it hasn't been. But um, I definitely just want to lift that up for a few moments, if you can speak on that, because I think that's important. Yeah. um, So both of my parents, I give a lot of just credit to for being organized and on top of um, just administrative things that come Mm -hmm. with owning land, owning property, what's going to happen, you know, after their deaths. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't, they don't have this type of expertise that some people have. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have these conversations, especially with me, um, about 
just about business affairs of the things that they have. And so that transfer, uh, that, that transfer wasn't, it, it wasn't a complicated process. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, my dad learned thing from learned things from when his father passed. My mother learned things from when her godfather passed. And so I think that they just take their experiences and, you know, try to be more proactive and share them with me. For this transfer, it was literally just... Um, having basically a map of the the parcels of, of land and yeah. what the acreage was. Yeah. Um and signing the back of that and filing it in the court. Good for in you. In the local court. Like that was it. And, you know, I think what gets lost is just a relay of relaying of information. Um I, where absolutely. something is located and how to properly documented uh with the government yeah and i know there is absolutely and for good reason a lot of folks are hesitant about that you know how you meet some people who won't put their money in the bank still Mm -hmm. or you know they won't file different things with the court for x y and z reason um thankfully that's not you know our case so Mm -hmm. my parents have been very forthcoming about what they have and how to maintain it yeah that that's awesome. That's beautiful. And yes. shout out to your parents because, you know, there are some stories, you know, um, like that. And there are many others that it's, you know, that aren't. And yeah. it causes a lot of a lot. It can cause a lot of conflict, which I'm sure you're familiar with just with other, you know, black folks and, and um, you know, maybe have inherited land or, you know, would like to or um so it's it's definitely it's a convert it's a topic that I want to dive more into and it can get really sticky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but people have to be realistic, right? It, it's always something when you have Uncle Johnny who hasn't visited Grandma in twenty years, but <laughs> feels like when she passed, like he's old five acres or whatever. Like you know, I I if if it ever came down to it, you know. <laughs> I would always be willing to just kind of hold up for decisions that my parents have made, but also the initiative that I've taken yeah. that others have not taken um, for whatever reason. Right. Um, so I, I think we, we, there has to be some type of balance between, you know, having just kind of um, empathy for somebody who wants, you know, X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. um, for somebody who may want it, may not have the capacity or somebody who wants it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, that, so. yep, that. Well, and here's the thing, like, you know, you all have 50 acres of land and you, I'm assuming, plan to keep it in the family yeah. as long as you, you know, Possibly can me, and, sure. you know, pass it on to the next generation. And so I think the other thing is, is that we have, you know, some some families who just want to just sell it. Yeah. And, you know, I can't uh, uh, discredit anybody for for their decisions. But the fact that we black folks had so much of it and then it was taken away from us and then the continuation of giving it to, you know, these corporations and. It's just. Yeah, did y'all it, ever? Did you ever talk about the beach people in California? That no. The people who um, 
They had won the beach land, beachfront property land back and then sold it for like $10 million back to them. No. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild and disheartening. And, you know, and to your point, like, I get it, right? Like, we don't, we don't have a lot of extra, you know, capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I can sell land and get a few ten thousand, tens yeah. of thousands or maybe I get a million real quick, it feels like a lot. Yeah. versus, you know, what it can mean generations right. to come. Exactly. Um, you know, you you see somebody come through, like I think you were talking about um, there was the r- reservoir that came mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. somebody comes and maybe Amazon wants to build mm-hmm. on their, you know, a, a plant right. or whatever on that land and the residual that you could possibly get and right. how it could set you up. We just, a lot of times we just don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Well, I'm just, I'm glad that, you know, that process for you, you know, was, was smooth. And um, I still think it's, it's encouraging to those who might be in a, in a similar situation. But I think the, the biggest lesson out of this and, and a reminder is like documentation, documentation, yeah. documentation, and just making sure that your records are as organized as possible. Um, I remember a family member just showing me slips of paper. I was just sitting there like nodding my head like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you've got to be kidding me. Like, it was such a mystery. I won't even go there. I haven't been down that rabbit hole. We'll revisit on another cousin chat. But it was, it was, it was very interesting. So, so Brittany, now you're in this space and, you know, um, of your farmer, Oh my gosh. How does that like you are a farmer? Does that does that still like has that settled in with you? Like yes, you are. Has that? I I think it, I don't know if it settled in like <laughs> um because I, when I went speaking to the USDA office, when I went to register uh and file out my paperwork and talk with the the I guess the USDA agent there or whatever, mm-hmm. um she looked at me and she was like, "Is this paperwork for you?" Um, you don't look like a farmer and oh, like gosh. yeah, she started naming like the shoes I had on and this and the other. And um and I and I think what is what excites me, I just in, in general about some of the different ventures I've taken on, some of the spaces that I've been able to occupy mm-hmm. is that a lot of times I will break a mold of what you thought. Like whether you whether I was coming yes. from Mississippi to Howard and yes. what you thought a Mississippi girl was like, yes. whether it's, you know, sometimes I've been in different spaces just in my career, whether it's been Hollywood or the White House and mm-hmm. what you thought a black woman from the South, you know, how they used to show up, mm-hmm. whatever. So being in this farming space, I think I, I, I'm absolutely excited to just, you know, put a spin on what you thought it should look like, um, but also what you think is capable. So, you know, there is a, a minimal, I think, for, from my standpoint, investment on what monthly, um, how I'm invested in that farm, but what it's like to be able to start to see. We just had a calf that was born last week. So starting to be able to see, you know, life coming back. My dad was able to plant some um, new grass and clear some land that, um, you know, was just a challenge before. And so um, it means a lot to be able to to do that um, and just kind of spin perception a little bit on its head. Wow. I love that. 
I love that so much. So how do you feel like, and we're going to come to a close in just a moment, how do you feel like you have been showing up as an advocate in this space now, knowing what you know now, seeing, you know, the challenges that your dad went through, you have been going through with transition to the farm? Like what, how are how do you feel like you're advocating now as, as a black farmer? Yeah, so I've, um, so even prior to this, when there would be, you know, kind of those black farming petitions mm-hmm. or online things, I'll try to drop drop in or sign on to. Um, now I've been more active in some of the online groups that they have um, on Facebook, which is, you know, as much as folks feel like Facebook and the meta is dying, uh, folks who do social media and have are of an older age mm-hmm. um oh, that's where there. they go yeah they, they go on facebook. there they all they all on there <laughs> i can tell you because my whole family on facebook. on facebook they on there and there's a huge black farming community on facebook yeah yeah and so just being tapped into um to how they're either um organizing in person online um some of those same like you know petitions donations um planning to go to some workshops and some conferences mm-hmm. to convene with folks. Um, and then through my through my job at the Hip Hop Caucus, mm-hmm. um, we have an entire portfolio of work on economic justice. Um, we've done things around USDA discrimination mm-hmm. uh, in support of black farmers. And so anytime I'm, we, we had, a, had a meeting with somebody from the EPA, um, so anytime I'm in a room with somebody or on a call with somebody, and anything around agriculture, farming, mm-hmm. uh, it comes up. Like I'm, I'm using my voice at that time to say, yes. "Hey, I'm a black woman. This is what is what's happening with black farmers in Mississippi with with the elder." Um, I was on a call last week with a group of folks from FEMA um, who were talking about resilient stories mm-hmm. and. Uh, part of what, what what we brought up was that technological gap that was happening mm, yeah. and how when you have federal disaster response, what it looks like to make sure that you're including those people when you have your QR code and you have your bit.ly link and you have this, your text to give and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just any any and every way I, I possibly can at every opportunity I can, I don't waste space. Ooh, I like that. Brittany says she don't waste space, y'all. <laughs> That's a T-shirt. So, Brittany, one of the things that I'm known for on every episode, when someone says a, a catchphrase and it just resonates, I will literally say That's a T-shirt. OK, okay. you don't know waste what? Space. I'm going I to like just create it. a whole marketplace for y'all phrases and I'll, y'all get y'all money. We're going to yeah, set yeah, this yeah. up. We're going to set this up. Yes. I can donate to Black Palm. Hey, hello. Hello. <laughs> We're going to make this happen because it's just too many of these um, awesome phrases y'all be throwing so that listen Brittany I would like to be I would love to be a fly on the wall when you are in a space and you tell folks you're a farmer (laughs) you know and and it's it's because like you were saying like you know there's this expectation of what a farmer's supposed to look like Mm -hmm. right you know so um Black woman, Mississippi, affectionately mm-hmm. known as the SIP, as I like to call it, yeah. went to Howard. Got a shout out Howard, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, a senior communications professional, and but uh, 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 a farmer, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, that to me is so powerful, and I'm pretty sure that um, 
you know, even your current work, you know, is you've been able to use that, you know, to support the, the daily operations of, you know, being a farmer and just, again, being able to call out things that, you know, um, agencies or like the USDA may not think about. And even like those small things that people think are small, they're mm-hmm. really huge. Like a QR code is huge. Yeah. Not everyone knows, has access to a laptop or yeah. let alone knows how to use it. God knows. I love my dad. My dad that man, he, on that little flip phone. That, yes. That's, that's it, you know, but that is a, that is a real thing. And so just being able to be in that space and point that out like that, that's huge value. That's huge value. Um, gosh, there's so much more that we can talk about, but I'm going to, would you, are you, I'm going to invite you back. Would you be open to coming back, Britt? Yeah, I would love to come back. <laughs> awesome. Um, and we got to have you in on cousin chat. Yes. <laughs> um, and then maybe my dad is supposed to be coming up next, next year. Nice. Um, for my son's high school graduation. So oh my goodness! Maybe both of us can, because he he you know the elders they're they're oh I can kick it all also day. very funny. Yes, I know, <laughs> I know. My listen, my 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 eighty year old grandmother called me last night from Mississippi, <laughs> just shooting the breeze. Yeah, you, and you you love them and you just hold on to them. And because they have so much knowledge, yeah. you know, so much. Now, I can't even tell you how many times like my I just listened to my grandmother tell me over and over again about her upbringing mm-hmm. and growing up on the land. And even till this day, like we'll hop in the car. She'll take me to a persimmon tree like mm-hmm. off the off the random street in Jackson. And we just like I hold on to that. So That's, thank yeah. you. But thank you so much, Brittany, for sharing your story. I never want to leave the show, okay, without, you know, my wonderful guest just sharing an edible app that anybody can take today. You know, if this is, this story was resonating to you or, you know, you may find yourself in a similar situation or not even necessarily like the exact storyline, but, you know, there, you may want to get more in tune with the land and um, just do some research or what have you. I don't know where you guys are in this space, but I just want Brittany just to share like a nugget. Like if she could share anything with a listener, just to inspire and encourage them. Like I want you to go ahead and share that. Yeah. So uh, prior to this conversation, my nugget was do your due diligence on making sure you know, you have an assessment of what type of, property, whether it's land or home ownership that is in your family, mm. and then making sure that there is a, a plan, some type of plan of succession, whether that's living or in death. Um, and then don't think that it's it's too much or too big for, you know, if somebody needs you to take it on or will be helpful, I'm going to say need, but it will be helpful for you to take on um, while you're living to do so. But now that we've had this conversation, my nigga That's still be- <laughs> important though. So you get two. That is important. Okay. That is so it important. Is. Yeah, yes. It's um it's don't waste space. So we all are in different spaces in our jobs, in our personal lives, um, in community. And so if there is something that you are passionate about that can help move um, our collective plight forward, then don't waste that space. Make sure that you um, you speak up and um, you share your story. It's very powerful. That is awesome. Brittany, if no one has told you today that you are doing a phenomenal job, oh, I am here to tell you. That. I really salute <laughs> you and appreciate you Thank for being you. a voice and That's being a champion of this work 
And I have certainly been inspired. And I know that this has been an inspiration for all of our listeners. And so just just flowers to you. Anybody tell you how phenomenal you are for having (laughs) having this space and consistently (laughs) having it? You know, a lot of times people start these podcasts and, you know, you don't hear from them for a while. And, you know, years have passed since the last thing. But to be committed, and this is not even out of a passion Mm -hmm. um, and a love for it. I think um, is a showcase of your phenomenalness uh, <laughs> as well, and so I, I have I'm very fond of Mississippi lineage. Yes, and I think that we are all <laughs> extremely powerful and extremely um, advocacy and community driven in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, shout out to Tasha for connecting us. Yes, Tasha. <laughs> I love um, that girl. And I am, I'm very honored to be here with you as well. Thank you. Thank you. That meant a lot. That meant a lot to me. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. You can find today's episode on iTunes, Spotify, oh, and Google Podcasts as well. And this will be uploaded to YouTube. Be sure to follow at Food Talks in Color on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, And until next time, thank y'all again. Peace. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. You can catch today's episode on iTunes, Spotify, and Simplecast. And be sure to follow us at Food Talks in Color. That's just the letter N on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And did you know we are on Patreon? This is a way for you to take action and support our mission of amplifying BIPOC voices on the Edible Activist podcast. Visit patreon.com backslash Food Talks in Color to learn more peace and blessings. And remember, in the great words of Baba Tariq Adunu, there is no culture without agriculture.